It's not a sprint, it's a marathon, and we hope everybody can find their market share and find their pace in the market and uh, hopefully be successful and profitable. From where I sit in the broader public policy side and giving regulation, by and large, it's done pretty well. There's no question. We've, uh, When you look at the number of operators uh, operating the market, those still coming, that's pretty good measure of, of where, how people feel about it. You're listening to the Gaming News Canada show with Steve McAllister, recorded live on LinkedIn Audio. Follow Steve on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Good Thursday afternoon, everybody. It's March 30th, 2023, the last Thursday of the third month of the year. I'm Steve McAllister, the editor-in-chief of Gaming News Canada, and we're back here on LinkedIn Audio for the latest edition of the Gaming News Canada show. Uh, Lots to discuss over the next 60 minutes. We'd be remiss if we don't mention right off the top that it's the opening day of the Major League Baseball season. Albert Bartanian from Homestand Sports, he's going to join us later in the hour to talk about uh, the Blue Jays, the start of the Major League Baseball season, and the uh, new daily Homestand show on Sports Grid at Canada. Nick Salsky of Points Bet Canada is also going to be along at some point this hour. Greetings, as always, to our regular guests, Amanda Brewer from Kinder Group and Chris Abbott from Botano Canada. But we're going to begin the show by welcoming back Paul Burns, uh, the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Canadian Gaming Association. Uh, Paul, we really appreciate you taking a few moments to talk to us because we suspect that you're either busy putting the final touches on a PowerPoint presentation or two, or or you're trying to find your favorite tie for the CGA's one-year anniversary assembly, uh, which will take place on Tuesday, April 4th, at the Toronto Region Board of Trade Venue in downtown Toronto. And I guess, Paul, on, on, a, on a more serious note, it's uh, in some respects, it's hard to believe that we're, uh, that we're 12 months into a regulated industry here in Ontario. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, I don't wear ties much anymore. The group that got me to wear a tie was the interview with Fifth Estate. After that one, I probably won't wear one ever again. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) yeah, it is. It's been a great year. There's no question about it. It's been lots going on. It's been busy, exciting. It's had its uh, challenges, but by and large, I think everybody can say it's been quite successful. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon for everybody, and, and we hope everybody can... Uh, find their market share and find their pace in the market, hopefully be you know, successful and profitable. Where I sit in from the, the broader public policy side and giving regulation, uh, by and large, it's done pretty well. There's no question. We've, uh, When you look at the number of operators operating the market, those still coming. That's pretty good measure of, of where, how people feel about it. Paul, just uh, two questions just related to the event next Tuesday. One, are there still tickets available? And and secondly, if you if you are going to be attending, what are you know what can you look forward to that day? Uh, there are no more tickets left. We're done. Uh, sold out, which is great. Um, we uh, room for about 150 people, and we'll have at least 150 people. I think maybe a few more uh, in the room, uh, which has been great. And so, what people will see it, it's a chance, and why we've chose to do this is really. Um, to talk about what has happened, laying out a little bit more about some of the unique uh, attributes of this market, because some uh, media and other places like to project what they appear to think is happening, uh, compare us to other jurisdictions. It may not be a fair comparison. It's a chance to say, this is what's happening. Um, we're going to talk about responsible gaming and advertising. Some of the things that we still have some challenges with around affiliate marketing. We hear from some of the company leaders to, on their experiences and where they see things going. So, um, and more importantly, we're also going to hear from the agencies in government. So from IGO and how they see the first year went, AGCO from a regulatory perspective. And and um, Dave Pridmore from uh, OLG as the chief gaming officer will give us OLG's perspective in working in a competitive marketplace that has a level playing field. <laughs> because they've been at it for a while, uh, but how they've done in this marketplace. So it's a chance for everybody to, to share and to talk and look about maybe a little bit about how what do we got to do getting, going forward? What do we have to do for next year or the year after? So um, I think that was a good opportunity to want to everybody have um, get together and celebrate some success and and talk about where we've been and where we're going yeah paul it's a great point about success and again it's easy and and you know we we 
we talk about kind of the good, bad, and ugly here on Thursday afternoons on, on LinkedIn Audio, and and we we do it in the newsletter. I mean, obviously, there's there's things that happen in the industry. It's a work in progress. I think it's uh, it's uh, behooves all of us to keep in mind that this this regulated industry is like not even 365 days days old yet when you talk about bringing 150 plus people into a room next week to to celebrate what's happened there there certainly is reason to celebrate whether you're the provincial government or the agco or or i go or or anybody who's an operator or a supplier in this this industry there there is cause for celebration next week i think so demonstrating what the market has been i mean we all know that there's been a large gray market for a lot of years in canada and what we've seen is the realization of this is what it is uh, and what it's turning to be when you create the regulated environment, you level the playing field, you create greater consumer protection, greater consumer choice. Some of it gets lost in the people getting fixated on whether there's too much advertising or there's not enough of this or too much of that. Uh, just we'll take a chance to just sit back and look at what's actually occurred. And, uh, and I think that's, um, that's going to be important for everybody then to uh, understand where we're going next year. As other jurisdictions in the country consider their options, they can look to see the interior experience uh, and benefit from that. So we want that's why we want to do all this, is really just be able to let people the opportunity to. Amanda Brewer, I want to get you in here because you've uh, you've been along for the ride with with Paul as an advisor of the Canadian Gaming Association for for quite a long time, and of course moving over to join Kindred Group, uh, I guess about eighteen months ago, and 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 just your thoughts of where we where, where we sit twelve months into this industry. You know, I think it's going to be a day of celebration for all of us when we show up next Tuesday, and I'm overjoyed to. Uh, to hear that it has been sold out, I think that's a credit to the CGA and all the all the great work it's been doing over this past year too. I think for us, it's it's really been you know I I was talking with uh, Dave Briggs and I said you know if you look at the operators that were in the market from day one, and it felt like all of the things that no one had figured out how to work yet or what could go wrong with yet these operators were all figuring it out discovering it you know from the interpretation of the inducement language or the whack-a-mole we were playing with the affiliates who still had unlicensed operators on their websites um you know just all of that you know loopholes that some of the players were figuring out in the agco regulations you know and we're trying to exploit so there was a lot of sort of blocking and tackling that was happening in that first couple of quarters but now that we're about to celebrate the first anniversary i think things have really calmed down and really settled down and you know yeah to paul's point there are there are still things we're waiting to see arrive some tools we're waiting to see arrive in the market um there's still you know what's happening with some of the articles we're seeing about uh you know the use of athletes in advertising is still a very important reminder that there's a great portion of this population or specifically the media that does not understand this industry. Um, and that is prone to hyperbole, uh, when it comes to writing about it. Um, but I think that we've all really just been able to kind of calm down, find our stride as, as, as Paul put it. Um, and I think the lack of inducement is a perfect example. If you look at where some of the operators sit, you know, after the first 12 months, it's pretty clear that those, those restrictions on public bonuses, public inducements hasn't, hasn't impacted the ability to attract, retain customers to, to be successful, to gain market share and to overall, you know, help to grow the market. So I think it's really going to be a day of celebration because there's there's a lot to be very proud of for how this market has gone in the first year. Uh, Chris Abbott, I know you'll be raising a glass of freshly squeezed Florida orange juice to the uh, to the industry from from your vacation spot next Tuesday. But um, again, you you've had a unique position. You you worked in the gray market with uh, with Coolbet before before joining uh, before joining Botano, and and uh, I'm sure you have some thoughts on, on what you've seen occur over the past year as well. I'll probably be thinking of none of you while I'm at Hollywood Studios <laughs> on Tuesday, if I'm being completely honest. Now, of course, uh, I mean it's been a, it's been a real interesting year. Um, you know, for me personally, especially having the opportunity to work with uh, two companies through license acquisition in Ontario and and just kind of 
with Coolbet, the change that was necessary from from what was happening, and and with Patano, you know, just just kind of showing up as a new kid on the block on this side of the world. So it was uh, it's been it's been a really fun year. But you know, I'll echo uh, the comments from Amanda and Paul that that overall it's a it's a really positive thing. I mean, um, you know, even for people working in the industry, you know. Um, outside of the success that it's been for, for the consumer so far and, and for the government, uh, just people working in the industry, um, you know, for the last three or four years, I was um, a contract employee of a numbered company in, uh, in a small Island. Uh, and now I'm, you know, uh, I'm fully, fully legit and paying my taxes. And it's a nicer feeling for the people who are working here. And I know that some of the people we've attracted uh, to work at our company are, are quite happy to be able to work in the industry, to be able to, you know, be a regular taxpaying citizen, um, as legal as shoppers drug mart, as, uh, as I like to say about, about the industry in Ontario and, um, you know, there's, there's, that's a good news story as well. We welcome to the show, Will Hill from Sightline Payments, and and Will, we'd be remiss if we didn't get your perspective on on the one year anniversary. Here's what I would say relative to April fourth, twenty twenty three. The fact that many of us didn't think we'd ever see a day where April fourth, twenty twenty two, would arrive, um, uh, it was you know that was that was the reality for a long time. Um, so to be here one year later um, and see things up and running and running effectively uh, for the most part um, and, and for new jobs to be created and new opportunity to come uh, and then to, to build on something that, that, that Chris said um, and that I think will be reflected um, in the gathering uh, next week is the Canadian gaming community um, by, by dint of, you know, being resident largely within the provincial crowns for so many years, it's a relatively small, uh, uh, group and a, a very tight knit group of, of, of employees. Um, and it's been delightfully expanded, um, over this last year because there are a number of people that have come into the online gaming industry in Ontario from different career paths and different career fields altogether. And I think that's actually made things a little bit better. Bringing in those different viewpoints, those different experiences, that different uh, sense of perspective, um, I think actually it's it's broadened the industry, um, figuratively speaking, in, in a way that I think is actually very helpful and very constructive and can contribute to future growth. I've been spending the week talking to a lot of people across the industry as well, and and. Um, I'm going to uh, Tuesday's morning's newsletter. We'll we'll, we'll devote some thoughts on on different topics uh, from those conversations I've been having this week. Uh, Paul, I'd like like to give you a few minutes just to talk about what the past year has meant to the Canadian Gaming Association. I mean, uh, if you're new to this industry, you probably don't understand or realize that you've you know you've been immersed in this business for for more than two decades now, and and uh, you know for. For what happened on April fourth, twenty twenty two, that was a culmination of a lot of hard work by by people like yourself and Amanda and and, and Troy Ross comes to mind, and certainly uh, people in government as well. But just uh, you know, how has the Canadian Gaming Association evolved over the past twelve months? Well, we've grown. <laughs> There's no question about that, and I think Amanda can speak to this too. The pandemic actually had a positive effect on the CGA. Well, it didn't have a positive effect on the industry with so many casinos closed, it allowed us to find uh, a stride um, in the fact that in working with casino operators who deal with public health issues and coordinating body, um, finding Bill C-218 moving through the committee process in Ottawa to the consultations around iGaming opening up. Um, it really allowed us to sort of not only find a stride and demonstrate the work that we can do as an association and the collective power the industry has when it comes together on issues of common cause. Um, and I think that was, uh, it's been a nice benefit from all of this in, in terms of, um, from my perspective, it's been able to better realize where I've always wanted the association to be um, and the role it plays. And, and I think that iGaming is always something we've talked about needing to deal with the gray market. Um, recognizing that Canadians have consistently punched above their weight in the iGaming space. Um, companies that started here had to leave uh, because their customers weren't here. Um, the innovators and creators um, 
the individuals who have been, you know, making stuff happen in the iGaming space all over the world for decades, the Canadians that were a part of this. Uh, I've always liked to tell that story because it was always important to understand that we have a great history in the gaming business. And um, now realizing that something that even through the consultations and talking with officials in the Ontario government is telling them when you're going to unleash something on the economic development side, on showing companies this is a good place to be. Uh, you have a lot of other policies and programs in the government that you don't have to do much else. This is the last piece of the puzzle was to create a regulated environment. And allowing to, to then now for us is to fully demonstrate and show and talk about and promote the fullness of what the industry is and the jobs that have been created in the last 18 months, the investments that have been made, um, you know, the end of the day on Tuesday, our event at the Board of Trade, we're going to walk across the street and celebrate the opening of the SCORE's new offices at the Waterfront Innovation Center. Um, and the success that they've had through this process as a company in terms of, you know, being the technology and innovation side of, of Penn National to um, being at the opening of, of Flutter's new offices with Pure Software never had their name on the side of the building or in the company that who they worked for, PokerStars, was never prominent. Just like, you know, what Chris just talked about in his experience. This is what's all come to pass. And so for the association, it's now gives us these great touch points and examples to continue and to better tell our story um, that there's benefits beyond uh, whatever revenue government gets from gaming, that there's a huge impact in communities and, and, and economic impacts for Canadians that come from uh, the spinoff of our sector. Uh, Steve, could I jump in on that for a second? Absolutely. Well, so uh, I want to build on what Paul said, because he's raising a really valuable point about the evolution of the industry. On this show, we typically focus largely on the open digital online gaming market here in Ontario. But if you think about the broader gaming industry, uh, more than a decade ago, there was only 24 casinos in Ontario. There are now 30. Um, and companies like Great Canadian are doing amazing things, spending hundreds of millions uh, to build uh, Pickering Casino Resort and open that fully in January. Um, and close to a billion dollars uh, to build uh, what will be a magnificent resort on 33 acres at Woodbine Racetrack. Out in British Columbia, there's been expansion that's taken their number of casinos up above 30 um, in that province. Uh, I was just speaking this week with someone from Alberta who I, I had always thought they were at 28 casinos. They're actually at 29. Um, and, and so as, as much as on a weekly basis here on this particular pod, um, we focus uh, um, on the growing digital market. Uh, this is part of a larger growth of gaming entertainment broadly on a pan-national basis um, that is, is contributing exactly as Paul says. It's an industry that's evolving in a very positive way because typically its proceeds um, are attached to provincial, pri provincial and political priorities through government coffers. Uh, so um, it's something that we can all take a great pride in is the growth not just of a, of a fervent digital market, but a broader industry in gaming across Canada. Um, this is a democratic forum we have on LinkedIn Audio Thursday afternoon. So again, if you're a newcomer here, and, and thanks for everyone who's joined us today, please feel free to, to raise your hand. And if, if you have an opinion or a question for, for Paul Burns or anybody else here, please uh, please step forward. Amanda, I'll maybe just get you to piggyback a bit off what Paul had to say from a from a Canadian Gaming Association standpoint. And, and you're, some, you're someone who has been tied to your organization for quite a long time yourself. And, and what it, what are you seeing in terms of maybe you know shifting responsibilities and and a chance for for you know Paul to Paul to really dig into building the organization now? <laughs> well, the the interesting thing was um, the CGA was never more busy uh, than during COVID, and in terms of advancing the industry. Uh, and changing uh, gaming legislation, uh, it pretty much hit it out of the park. So that was a little bit of a, you know, the irony. I was still working with Paul back then full time. And I think for, for Paul, given the influx of new members that have come in, it has really been um, a chance for him and his board to sit back 
uh, and reevaluate things. And in fact, Paul, I'm not going to talk about this. I'll get you to talk about it. The, the new strap plan that the association has, has built because, you know, with the pandemic and the, you know, success with Ontario gaming and, you know, nationally available and legal sports betting, um, it was time to refocus the association um, and make sure that, you know, what it was going to be working on in terms of projects or advocacy efforts was going to be reflective of a changing nature in the membership of the association as well. So I'll, I'll toss that one back over to Paul. Uh, thanks, Ben. Yeah, it's, I mean, that was part of what we've, we went through um, a process over uh, through the uh, sort of spring, well, summer, fall in, the, in 2022 with uh, our board, our membership had input um, to talk about the new strategic plan because part of what we did through the process was that, and they took away a couple of things from it because um, the process we did in 2018, the CG was in a very different place. And um, I can say that our we've sharpened the pen on pencil on our strategic plan and become um, uh, more certain in what we are and what we want to do and where we want to go. Uh, I said it's, we got us out of our um, insecurity phase, I guess you could say, in 2018, um, and we've sharpened it a little bit, a little bit more uh, because we do want to. Um, ensure that we are, um, uh, you know, it's about collaboration, education, advocacy for us, uh, bringing people together to talk like we're doing next week. Uh, the advocacy work that we will continue to do with um, all sectors and all the stakeholders uh, and, and education in terms of a broader educating the public and the decision makers on what we are and what we're not. Um, and so this year we'll focus a little bit more on a few things. One, we're, we're out consulting now with our membership and others on, a, on um, a CJ industry responsible gaming program. Uh, and we'll take a look and we're in very early stages of that, but um, why we need to talk about responsible gaming player protection um, because of the role the industry played, that, that things have changed, that it's not the, sole purview of crown agencies in terms of um you know OLG has a great brand and play smart and that but it's not it's not everybody's and there's a lot of other work being done um and to show and to demonstrate that you know the industry is is got some great innovation some great commitment uh to making sure we have good healthy relationships with our players so there's a lot of things that we'll, we'll continue to, you know, hopefully there'll be changes coming to Canada's anti-money laundering legislation later this year too, that we will have a significant role in playing because there's some really substantial, uh, we believe, uh, amendments needed to the program that can work, make it more effective for combating money laundering, but also uh, make it more effective and efficient for operators to participate in it. So there's lots of great things that we continue to, to have to work on on behalf of everybody, but we really were able to the process of, and, and the last couple of years helped sharpen that, and that, that we talk about um, our three pillars in education, advocacy, and collaboration, and that's going to be guide us as we go forward, and, and I think for the next few years, there's going to be lots to do. Uh, I want to welcome Nick Solsky from Points Bet Canada because Nick, uh, Paul, Paul mentioned a few minutes ago about the economic development that the Ontario markets created. And obviously, uh, we we told the story here before um, in this forum and also in the newsletter about you know Points Bet investing in office space in downtown Toronto and and having a staff of I believe more than more than sixty people now. Um, just love to get your your thoughts as you look back, uh, which you know I, I would say the this industry has been as hectic for points but Canada as anybody else over the last uh, 12 to 18 months. Uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for um, welcoming me back again, Steve and uh, Paul, Amanda. Great to uh, hear and well, great to hear your take and well, kudos. Pan national is an underused term. I'm, I'm a <laughs> fan. I'm a fan of that. Um, 
Yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a it's been a crazy year. I mean, I started points about almost two years ago now, and uh, you know, I think the and I think to everything that Paul that everyone has been talking about is. I mean, it's it is still about evolution and learning and getting better and iterating and innovating both from policy perspective, but also from a, a product perspective and from a business perspective. So, um, and to your point, Steve, it has been pretty hectic. I mean, we've, we made a conscious decision to fight um, a little bit more granularly, candidly, because we had to, you know, we, unlike a lot of the other operators, as, as we've discussed before, you know, PointsBet didn't have a brand uh, up here prior to launch points that didn't have a database of, you know, pre-existing gray market or daily fantasy or casino loyalty or media prior to launch. So we had to scrap and fight. And, you know, it's, it's, it, there has been a lot of sweat poured here down uh, at 315 Queen street West, um, you know, Queen and John, but you know, it's been, it's been, it's been a great year. Um, and I think that I'm just looking forward to, you know, I'm looking forward to the following year and I'm, and you know, I don't know if this was discussed, you know, you know, previously, um, you know, to, to when I jumped on, but you know, this is year one of Ontario. I'm looking forward to hopefully being able to celebrate year one of another province, uh, another regulated province in, in coming years, and hopefully the success and the learnings that all of us on the call here, the CGA, and the other operators. Um, have have uh, shown and contributed to the market here will pay dividends as we look to see this model rolled out across the country. So yeah, it's been a great year, busy, and hopefully it'll be even busier moving forward. Paul, we're we're gonna let you go, but I, I just want to say it's uh, it's fantastic that you 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 have a sellout for next Tuesday. I think that's a tribute to the work that that you and and the board have done, as Amanda men mentioned earlier. Um, on a personal note, I think it'd be nice. I mean, we, we, we obviously, as we, as we've attended these different conferences over the last two years, it's, it's nice to run into people around the industry, but I think it's going to be unique. Um, and probably the first time since last June's Canadian gaming summit that, uh, you, you have people from the Canadian industry in the same room together. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, to, to sh shaking hands and seeing a lot of familiar faces on, on Tuesday and also, also hearing from, uh, from the different panelists. I, I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a great, uh, a great day for the, for the industry to kind of stand up and pat itself on the back for the last year. No, it will be. I think it'll be terrific. I mean, it's nice not to have to get on an airplane to go meet everybody from Toronto. Because we seem to find each other in other parts of the world and other conferences, and so, yeah, it's always good to bring people together, and that's one of the things we like to do as the association when we can, and and uh, this was a very very good reason to do it. Because uh, a year ago we stood at the uh, Toronto uh, Stock Exchange and opened the market that day, um, which was um, a fitting way to open. I thought the market. Um, the online gaming market and uh, uh we had you know 40 or 50 people there that morning but uh, uh obviously it's um the industry's grown uh it's continuing to grow and uh, and that's just why more people working in it and more people involved in it uh, more suppliers and from advertisers to technology innovators to content providers like yourselves uh at the parlay you, you know it's um there's been tremendous benefits and we're going to take a chance to celebrate a little bit. So thanks for having me. That is Paul Burns, the president and chief executive officer of the Canadian gaming association. Paul, we'll, we'll see you Tuesday. And thanks. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Cause Mark, I'd love to get your take. You, you were the, the person uh, who reached out to, to me more, more than two years ago and, and saw something was afoot with legal sports being in this country. And, and that kind of started the work towards establishing Parlay Media Group and, and these days Homestand Sports and, and Gaming News Canada. But again, I think, you know, your wheelhouse is kind of digital and, and sports media and, and technology. And uh, the past 12 months, we've seen a real, a lot of progress and a lot of innovation and, and a lot of, a lot of good stories around uh, that part of the gambling industry. It's been an exciting time. It's one thing to be a, to be a spectator and, Put on your media hat, Steve, the way you do so so greatly every week, and it's another thing to you know be on you know Kevin Kennedy's side of our business and uh, to have a seat, a hot seat, many times. 
And we've heard it in your forum here, Steve, on several occasions that the ad loads on the networks, what we're seeing out there on out of home, it's easy to spend money. It's hard to build a brand. And as we're now a year into it, we see that even though there might be some operators who are ahead of others for various reasons, as you know, Nick already highlighted about you know, building a, a list from scratch, the brands that are going to push through and define this market are, are still yet to be determined as far as I'm concerned. And I'm, I'm excited to, to play a role to help operators, non-endemic brands as well, participate in around the content that engages sports fans. And that's some of the lessons that I think we've learned pretty quickly, you know, especially when you're, when you're looking at you know, the, the bigger sports media outfits in this country. We've seen that they've struggled to really figure out how to fit this content in. They have too broad of an audience to cater to. And we have other more niche media outlets that have been able to, to carve out some space with, with smaller, more passionate audiences. And I think it's super exciting and, and I'm looking forward uh, to continuing to, to play a role and, and hopefully uh, help operators uh, achieve their objectives in, in the long run. Great, that's great insight. One thing I'll add is that uh, obviously that, uh, you know, th- these conversations are, are going to k- keep going. We'll, we'll have lots to talk about uh, in the newsletter, of course, next Tuesday, next Thursday, uh, we'll, we'll be able to do a bit of a post-mortem from, from Tuesday's happenings in the, uh, uh, in the newsletter next Thursday and on LinkedIn audio as well. So we're, we're excited. Uh, we're obviously excited about that. Um, I guess, well, I'll maybe just ask you quickly, uh, is there, you know, do you think there's one burning issue with, with the industry right now or, or something that, you would you would advise people on looking towards in, in the second year of the industry here in Ontario? That's a good question. Um, and and uh, one that I could probably go into many different directions in. Um, I, I think broadly for gaming um, as a whole, there's still the whole matter of the social license and people are going to be going, huh? What, what does he mean by that? And, and what I mean is, um, you know, there, there's still some reservations uh, across the, the public about the value of gaming um, as a means of entertainment. Um, and, and, you know, where we had to come a long way and say the beverage alcohol industry, where at one time people used to fill out slips um, and get served their alcohol in paper bags so that people couldn't actually see the bottled alcohol to where we are now with LCBO stores having like live concerts and tastings um, and sending out fantastic glossy magazines. Um, gaming has has lagged behind primarily because in this country, it's really only been legal since the, uh, the 1970s and casinos only really started coming along in the 1990s. So you still have people that are trying to understand this industry as a form of entertainment. The more we as a group can continue to put a good foot forward in terms of a strong entertainment product, in terms of a strong sense of corporate social responsibility, um, the more the industry will grow and, and that social license will expand because people will actually see gaming for what it is, which is a major contributor to the economy in terms of jobs, in terms of economic development, um, and uh, a major contributor to people's uh, uh, um, social and leisure time um, in fun ways that actually benefit uh, provincial priorities. Uh, so um, I, I think as, as, as you know, sort of the industry grows, uh, it has to be concerned not only with its own internal revenue targets and growth targets, but its growth in terms of um, it's corporate reputation broadly, um, because that, that benefits all of us. And once again, um, Cleo is, is proud to, uh, to make her, her presence felt on the, uh, uh gaming news Canada show. Uh, we're looking for the day where we can just do a strictly a one-on-one with Cleo will and, and put our focus on Cleo. I'm sure, I'm sure that's, that's a bark of uh, bark of dis discontent. Listen, so, and, and uh, any of her contributions when she's jumped on are far more meaningful and constructive than mine. That's a great segue. Maybe I'll just go around the horn here and, and with, uh, with uh, Amanda, Nick and, and, and Chris and just, uh, you know, I, I think we, we, and we've talked about it, Amanda, in this form about, about product kind of ruling, ruling the day. And, um, you know, I, I assume that uh, it's it's a daily topic at Kinder Group. It's just always trying to find ways to, to, to make the product better and seeing what the competition's doing. And, 
and also, you know, how you, how you differentiate yourself depending on which market you're in. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the, the uniqueness that is in Ontario is you're seeing brands here that are more European based and they were never in the U S. Um, and you also have a lot of brands that have never been in the U S they've only been in, in America. So it's been really interesting just in terms of the brand personalities, the way, you know, the look and design and feel of the apps. It's, it's been really interesting just to see it all. Um, and I think the Ontario customer is going to be a really unique customer as well. And at the end of the day, if your, your tech doesn't work and your product isn't very good, then you will not have a very successful time in this market. So, I mean, it, it feels like table stakes, but it's also incredibly well, I was gonna say incredibly difficult. It's not that it's incredibly difficult, but if if you're not willing to invest the time, invest the people, invest in the tech to get it right, and by right I mean it just has to be seamless. It has to turn on. You know, customers have to log in. They have to get right into the games they want. The games have to play. The customers have to, you know, trust that the games are fair. The money has to get deposited quickly. The money has to get withdrawn quickly. Like all of this has to work seamlessly and that all takes a lot of work. So I think, you know, for the operators that have invested the right, you know, time, money and people, then they're going to have really happy customers. So, yeah, I mean, it's table stakes, but it's, it's, it's still something that, you know, day in and day out, all of the operators are working on. But I think if, if I don't, if you don't mind me jumping in, Steve, to Amanda's point, I think she's a hundred percent right. I mean, the old adage of product wins is absolutely the case, in my opinion. But the, the other reality for us, for, for sports gaming and iGaming operators, is it's not necessarily just our own products and the time and money and resources you need, we need to invest in, in uh, optimizing our own platform. We're also extraordinarily reliant on third parties, vendors, partners, whether it's payment gateways, whether it's payment processors, whether it's data and, and, and analytics companies, whether it's content integration partners. There are um, there, innovation is not uh, kind of a one way road for operators. The ways that partners and other, um, you know, other parties within the industry drive innovation and how integration actually flows within companies uh, from a sports betting perspective and from a casino perspective ultimately is also is, is just as important, important as you know the the the, the fandals and the points bets of the world right there are dozens and hundreds of 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 of, of equally important companies in the sector that candidly a consumer is not even aware of because they're not direct to consumer. They're, they're behind the scenes. They're B2B. So I just wanted to kind of add that on to what Amanda was saying. Yeah. And if, if I can, can give my perspective, I think, you know, for me, I've worked with two companies that were European. Uh, so that meant their UX UI developers were European, their, their history, their basis, their traders, their, their casino layouts, everything is what's worked in a European market, which, is vastly different from what the North American consumer wants. So if I use Botano as a as an example, you know, we we got a license a little bit late in the game. We got live as fast as we could in Ontario, but you know, one of the biggest things, maybe the biggest thing on our on our list right now is to is to make it a little more localized because you know, when you're when you're in a company that's coming to a new land, you know, everything that's worked elsewhere might not work as well. Um, uh, the customers might be, you know, used to a different layout. You know, if you come uh, to a site where the first thing you see is the live betting lobby, um, that might not be interest to you, especially in a in a newer regulated space like Ontario is. So, you know, for us, it's a it's a major thing. And for those of us who work in in companies where you know the the tech is um, in house, you know how much that you know. Little changes can take a lot of time. Uh, developers for all of our companies are working across different markets and they all have different demands on their time. So, you know, there's a resources crunch in, in every um, operation as far as I can tell. So, um, 
the product is the the number one thing. People also don't care about any of this, right? So this is an internal thing. The customer wants to know, can I find the bet that I'm looking for? Can I find the casino game that I'm looking for? Can I deposit quickly? Do I have to leave my casino game when my balance hits zero or can I top it back up? And all this thing, all these things that that are eventually consumer facing are the things that we're uh, we're battling to to always improve every single day. And lastly, just to put the bow on all of this, because I agree with everything that Nick and, and Chris has said, I would say that every operator is still testing things in this market. If you find an operator who's told you they've got it all figured out, I would be absolutely shocked because I keep going back to the Ontario customer is not an American customer and it's not a European customer. We are our own unique animal here in Ontario and what works in other markets is not guaranteed to work here. So we are all still trying things out and, you know, trying to see if we tweak this offer, if we launch this game, if we adjust these betting limits, like we're all still adjusting things. So I think that's also part of the challenge, but also part of the fun of being in this market is the fact that we are always testing ourselves and we're always challenging ourselves to see if we can kind of figure out what that secret sauce will be for Ontario. Uh, I want to switch gears because we got about six minutes left and I, I want to get Albert Bartani and the, the co-host with James Sharman of, of the homestand show. And Albert, thanks very much for your, for your patience. And, um, we announced, I think, back in, in January that uh, the sports grid, the, the 24-7 sports and sports betting st- streaming channel in the, in the United States was coming to Canada. And um, uh, thanks to Mark Silver and, and Jay Sue Crash, we, we put together a partnership for our programming to, to appear on sports grid. And the last couple of weeks, we've, we've launched a, a Monday to Friday homestand show. And, and Albert, thanks, as always, for, for being, uh, being with us. And Maybe just talk to the audience to begin with, just uh, just on what uh, on what the homestand show is. Hey, thanks, Steve. Uh, pleasure joining you. Um, it is a daily one-hour sports talk show. We hit everything uh, from baseball, football. We were talking about cricket the other day. We we're talking about rounders. So whatever that's going on, uh, that's our focus. I mean, mainly local stuff in terms of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Raptors. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays now are kicking off their season today. Um, that's our main focus and trying to uh, not only give some uh, entertaining and educating opinions, but to just make sure we, we keep the people informed uh, as much as possible. Well, one thing I was going to mention, Albert, you and I were kind of going back and forth on Slack before the before the show today and that you know, with the, I think it was Monday where Monday or either last week where, uh, when Sportsnet and, and, um, Tim McAuliffe announced mm-hmm. that, that Sid and friends was going off the air as of April 11th. And I think for any of us who have either worked in the sports media industry or, or have been a sports fan for, you know, for the last, well, 20 years in the case of Sid and Tim going back to their score days that, um, you know, that's, it's a sad day. And as we always say in this show, um, people's lives are affected when the, these kinds of announcements are, are made. But uh, uh, Tim, uh, Tim McAuliffe's had one hell of a run. Um, he is staying at Sportsnet in, in another capacity, which I guess we'll, we'll know more about in April. <clears throat> but when you look at the Canadian sports media landscape now, I mean, really the only, uh, uh, I guess with the exception maybe of TSN Overdrive, which is really a radio show that's simulcast on television, but the homestand show, it, it appears that it's really the only Monday to Friday show right now that kind of a, a sports show that leads into uh, leads into a, an evening news show or, or into game nights. Yeah, somehow uh, in just a few weeks, we've become one of one in this market, which is incredible to me. Um, yeah, I was really upset as well to see Tim and friends go away. I mean, th- that's the nature of this business, Steve, as I'm sure you know really well. I've been a part of cuts as well. It's never easy. Um, and like you mentioned, people's lives are, are definitely, or livelihoods are definitely at stake. So it's sad to see them go. I'm sure Tim and his crew uh, will go on to do something else that's going to be equally as good. But yeah, it seems like we're, we are really the only, the only one in this space at the moment. Overdrive, as you mentioned, yeah, is simulcast. Uh, to me, I, I'm a huge fan of that show. I watch that all the time. And I try and take some, some things away from that too that we can also implement on the homestand show, but it could be a, a really good opportunity for us right now, uh, based on what's going on in the media and in, in around us, that we can um, 
take over that spot and that number one spot and, and try to grow as much as we possibly can with potentially um, a bigger audience with, with eyes on us now being on sports grid and nothing else really out there that can really match to what we're doing. Right. And you can find, uh, you can find sports grid on, on the streaming platforms like, like Roku and, and Fubo and, and LG and I think yeah. another streaming st- streaming service. It, it does feel to Albert a little bit like, um, sports media companies and and the sports betting and sports book operators are kind of starting to find the sweet spot of 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 you know not trying to cram sports betting information down sports fans throats and and it seems to me since the start of the year that that we're seeing uh, a, a little bit better better balance and and something that uh you know where you can still provide sports betting information, and I know the homestand show you you do feature people uh, from sports book operators. And you know, I thought I really enjoyed the interview that you and James did last week with Alicia Newman, the the Canadian Olympic pole vaulter, who's who's a brand ambassador for Bet Ninety Nine. And that interview didn't wasn't talking about betting at all. And I think I think uh, operators are starting to realize now that, uh, that that there is a balance to be struck. Yeah, I think. When this, when sports betting uh, first became legal here in Ontario, it was really thrown down our throats. I mean, we were, us, we were trying to figure out uh, the space too, right? And doing a lot of one minute and two minute videos on sports betting uh, on games that night. I remember when I first started here, I think November 2021, a lot of the, my content was one or two minute videos on the games of the night from my living room and trying to punch that out as much as we possibly can. But yeah, there definitely is a, a better balance right now. Um, and I feel this is just me personally when talking about sports betting, uh, it's right to get the right people in there to talk about sports betting who know what they're talking about, but can also deliver it in a way where you're not talking over, you know, the general sports fans head, you know, each kind of explaining to them what these things mean, um, keep it as, you know, entertaining and informative as possible. And I think that's, that's the balance that I'm seeing right now. And I think that's really important because I know a lot of people who are so invested in sports and not necessarily big sports gamblers, but do enjoy, you know, playing 10 or uh, once in a while, and they don't want to be hammered in the head with sports terminology and sports books uh, flashing on their screen. There definitely is a balance. And I think it's, I think it's slowly getting there and it's, and it's important that it gets there as well, I believe. Hey Albert, we're at the top of the hour, but I do want to get your I do want to get your thoughts on on the start of the Major League Baseball season and and the, the Blue Jays, who, who as we mentioned at the top of the hour, open uh, or sorry earlier in the hour, open their season in St. Louis in about uh, about an hour's time, and mm-hmm. it just it feels to me, Albert, that this this is a team that maybe. I, I guess like the Toronto Maple Leafs for that window starting to close a bit with, with the core group. And, um, you know, I, I just read before we got on here that the Jays are going to spend about $250 million on payroll this year, that this, this will actually be the first time where they've had to pay, uh, pay tax with, with major league baseball's collective bargaining agreement and the, and the salary structure. What are your, what are your thoughts on this team? Um, I like this team a lot. What scares me is that there's a lot of experts, and a lot of people out there, who are touting the Jays to win the AL East uh, and win the World Series. And we usually know how that goes in sports. When everybody's on one team, it tends to go the other way. Uh, at least that happens in sports betting as well. Uh, but I like this team a lot. Listen, they have a lot of confidence. Uh, they brought in some really good players, one of them being Kevin Kiermeyer, who I think, and many people think, one of the best defensive outfielders in the game right now. And he was asked about what he thinks this team can achieve. And he said, listen, I totally believe that 100 wins is very attainable uh, with this team. And that's huge. I mean, the last time the Jays even came close to that was in 85. Uh, they they won 99 times. Can they get to 100 wins in a division with the New York Yankees and how good that they are? It'll be tough. Um, but I definitely believe they'll be in and around uh, the playoffs for sure. I think they can win the AL East. I feel like this first month is very important, especially because the Yankees are missing three key, three key arms in their starting rotation. So I think it's important to get off to a good start and kind of build some sort of a gap if they can on the Newark Yankees. And it's uh, it should be an exciting season. Uh, Bo ended the season last year unbelievably in September. Uh, Vladdy's expectations are to hit about 40 to 50 home runs, which which is also big. Um, the new dimensions at the Rogers Center is going to help them offensively. Defensively, it might be a bit of an issue. Um, but I like everything about this Jays team. I think probably the biggest question mark surrounding the team is the pitching. And that was the issue last year 
in Jose Barrios and Yusei Kikuchi, two key guys in that rotation who um, didn't live up to expectation. If those guys can be, I mean, just a bit better than they were last last year and eat up a lot more innings, and then with Hengen Ryu coming in midseason, if that pitching can can live up to their standard, I think the Jays have a serious shot at winning the AL East and potentially making a deep run in the playoffs. Hey, Chris Abbott, very quickly, we had, we had an old saying during my newspaper days that if uh, if Toronto teams were winning, that was that was good for selling newspapers. <laughs> is, is the same thing true for sports books? Uh, well, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not nice, um, Chris. I don't know. Yes, of course it is. You know, if the Leafs go deep in the playoffs, it's good. If the Jays are relevant, it's good. Um, you know, the only time it's dangerous is when you know you're operating in a in a province or a country like Canada where you know the Jays are the big thing and everyone bets on them out of love, and you have to pay out the futures. But I think it'd all be worth it. I think we'd all be okay with that at the end of the day. Hey, Albert. Last question for you: Is there one one storyline or one player that if you're if you're telling people what to watch in Major League Baseball this season, is there that one storyline or, or one player that you would uh, you would advise to keep a close eye on? Shohei Otani. I don't think it yeah. even comes close. After what I saw at the WBC, um, I'm all over him. I, it sucks that they they play in the time zone that they do. Like I, I, I said on the show today, I don't understand how Major League Baseball um, has the Angels in Oakland tonight uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern time with Otani on the mound. And I know the WBC just happened and the schedule was made before that. But still, when you have a player like Otani, who's a top pitcher in the league, top baseball player, a global superstar, no one even comes close in terms of popularity when it comes to Otani in baseball. You got to have him in a primetime spot. But whenever you can, if you can watch Otani either hit or pitch, that's the guy you need to watch out for. Yep. Here, here. That's Albert Vartanian, co-host of The Homestand Show, uh, available Monday to Friday on Sports Grid Canada. You can also uh, watch Albert and uh, and James's work on the Homestand Sports YouTube channel and, and on their social media, uh, other other social media platforms as well. Albert, thanks, thanks so much for hanging around and, and sticking with us. Um, that's going to wrap up the show for this week. Uh, thank you so much to, to Paul Burns, to Chris Abbott. Chris, have a wonderful holiday in, in Florida. Uh, Amanda Brewer, Will Hill. We look forward to seeing those of you who are going to be in Toronto at the Canadian Gaming Association event next Tuesday. Hopefully you'll uh, you'll read about all the happenings in the newsletter next Thursday. We're on LinkedIn Audio every Thursday afternoon between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, thanks so much, everyone, for joining us today. Have a great, uh, great weekend, and please be safe out there, everyone. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show. Sign up for our newsletter at gamingnewscanada.ca. Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.